0: we have to be mindful of following people blindly mm-hmm. and just doing what they say mm-hmm. because sometimes that's not what works for us. Sometimes mm-hmm. that's not what we need. Mm-hmm. And I think oftentimes that we we're just like, so-and-so is doing it this way. I have to do it X, Y, and Z because that's what they said. And it's like, what if X plus Y plus Z prime is what you need? Mm-hmm. But you're so focused on what they're doing and following that you don't realize it. And that's that Z prime that makes it unique to you. Mm -hmm. and we need to understand that depth every time we see that overnight success that doesn't exist we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg it's the underneath yeah how much is there
1: Each week, I interview successful entrepreneurs and deep dive to discover the exact strategies that they've used to build their business so that you can experiment and implement these strategies in your business too. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Today, we're joined by Amy Jay, who's a lawyer with a master's in computer science and a former NASA engineer, and is the host of the Chasing Dreams podcast. Her show has had tens of thousands of downloads and over 200 guests, including New York Times best selling authors, executive educators, Hollywood entertainers, and successful entrepreneurs and influencers. She's a recognized inspirational speaker and inspires anyone who feels a little incomplete to live their own authentic life. Now, here's a fun fact about Amy J. We, I think we're twins from another life because I met her last year in Atlantic City at the Independent Podcast Conference. And right from the second that we met, we were finishing each other's sentences. So
0: this will be interesting today to see if we can get (laughs) through an episode with finishing a sentence. it, It was kismet. You know, we were long lost, reunited in Atlantic City of all places.
1: I know, right? I've never been to Atlantic City. It's not where I would have expected to find my long lost twin, (laughs) but I did. (laughs) Indeed. Oh, it's so awesome to have you here joining us, Amy J. Oh, I'm so excited. We are going to talk about lots of interesting things, like talk about a super, super smart, nerdy
0: person, like Mm -hmm. so cool. Tell us about working at NASA. You know, I I almost forget about that time of life because I I, th- I guess I take it for granted. Mm-hmm. And every time somebody hears it, they're like, "Oh my gosh, you worked at NASA?" Mm. Like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I did. So I was a computer engineer. I changed my major like five times in college, and in the second year, I decided computer science was going to be at least part of my major or a double major or something. And I was lucky enough to get an internship at NAS- NASA Goddard Space Flight Center, and so I did a great job, and they invited me back the year after. And then the year after that, they invited me back. And so before I graduated, I had been there probably, I guess, uh, three years, and they offered me a co-op, and that was a job, and I could also work for my master's at the same time. Oh, wow. So I went from intern to co-op, and then after I finished that, they offered me a full-time job. And so it was, I really enjoyed the people I worked with. It was great. The topic and material was to my degree, it was there. But, you know, I can't talk about NASA without talking about the the reason I left. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting down, and I was doing work, and it was just testing. And I thought to myself, as I was entering, you know, run this code that my twin sister, I actually do have an actual twin sister, aside from Sam. And (laughs) she, I was just thinking to myself, she's a bio major. It's like, even Jamie could do this job. Like, I just didn't feel challenged. I didn't Mm. feel like my talents were being used. And I remember in that moment, I was like, I can't keep doing this. Mm. And that was the moment. My twin sister was actually, I think it was probably uh, two months before she had said she was going to go to law school. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go with her to law school. And I thought, I don't know what I want to do. It wasn't traditional law by any stretch of the means, but I wanted, I knew I could, if I did it, I could handle anything that came at me. Mm. I could take it. And I was like, this is going to be the stamp. This is going to be the thing that makes me do whatever it is I need to do and want to do. Mm -hmm. And I still need to figure it out. Mm. And so it was the catalyst, I guess, for me to get to to law school and, you know, law school ended up being its own experience.
1: As everything is in life, right? And it's funny that you mentioned that, you know, that you almost forgot about it because I think that there's a few times that people have asked me about things and I've said the same thing. It almost feels like it's another life. You know, like I had this whole 20 years in business with my ex-husband. Well, we haven't been together for 10 years now and I'm remarried and people talk about that time and I'm like, oh yeah. yeah. But all of those things that we learn, they, you know, they change who we are and they, and they make us into who we are. So even though, you know, The dark side of that could have been you were there and you were entering data and it was just, you know, it was no good for you. If you hadn't have done that, you wouldn't have realized that there was something else that, you know, you wanted to be something more.
0: You know, it's interesting you say it in that way because it was brought to my attention and a realization that aha moment came to me was everything happens for a reason. And Mm. what I'm doing today is spreading the message of wanting people to live their own honest, authentic life. Mm. And it's only when people started questioning me about why, why, why that I realized it kind of came to that. That was probably the pinpoint the first time that made me realize I wasn't living my own honest, authentic life because I went into the government because people said it was stable. It was a good job and I should be happy, but it wasn't my dream. Mm. And I didn't realize that until I had that epiphany. And it wasn't until probably a year ago that I realized that that was the catalyst for it. Mm, How powerful is that? Everything just kind of led to another. And, you know, you you understand it once doesn't mean it sticks. Because when I went to law school, because of my engineering degree, everyone said, hey, you got to do patents. Patent law is where the money is at, especially because you have a degree in computer science. Mm -hmm. And there are people out there who would love to do patents and you owe it to them to do it. And I was like, I mean, I guess, I guess Mm -hmm. I really didn't want to do it. I really did not want to do patent law and I did it as a safety. I did it because you know, that was what I should do just in case I didn't have an idea of what I wanted to do afterwards. So I went into patents and you know, I was also blessed with a mentor who took me in straight out of law school as a part-time associate. And I thought, you know, Not everyone has this lined up for them. Not everyone has someone who would get a mentor. Like maybe that's, maybe this is meant to be because these stars are aligning in this way. And I never questioned it. I didn't. I wasn't happy about it. I just, I was not happy about it. I mean, I had a great boss, but I just did not like the work. But I did it because again, people said, that's the thing you should do. Hmm. And it was only when I got a friend who called and said, hey, do you want to do contract negotiation in Philadelphia? That I was like, you know what? Yes. One, anything but patents. <laughs> two, I, I loved negotiating. I uh-huh. loved that topic, the conversation. Didn't have an experience with it, but my friend was willing to take me regardless. Uh-huh. And that started my, my life in corporate. You said
1: honest, being honest and authentic with yourself. And I've never heard yeah. anyone put those two words together in the context of what we're talking about. Tell us what you mean by honest,
0: authentic. So it's interesting that when we go through life, we, we get opinions from other people. We have influences from society, from our community, from our family, from our friends, from what we see on TV. All of these are third-party voices that are listening and talking to us and saying, hey, what about this? What about this? You should do this. We fall prey is kind of harsh, but in reality, that's what happens. We fall prey to these voices and we decide, hey, this is what I need to do. and It doesn't give us a chance to actually look at our own life and decide, this is actually what I want to do. I am good at helping people, or I am good because we're so focused on the monetary, right? You see on Mm -hmm. TV that people need money to have a good life. And we don't think about the fact that there are people making 40, 30, $20,000 who are living happier, more rich lives than people who are in the six figures. Mm -hmm. And so that I think is outside influences that are having more of an opinion than they should. So when I say honest and authentic, I mean, honest and authentic to you mm. and not what other people are saying. When you take that third party voice out, what is it you want to do? What is your life defined as defined by you, not as defined by your community and your family? Mm. Bishop T.D. Jakes actually said something in a talk with, I think it's Pastor Stephen Furtick. And he said, paraphrasing, a parent's job is to help give their their children opportunities to figure out what it is they want to plant to nourish right but it's up to the children to make that decision and so sometimes i think in the past generations and hopefully not in the future parents decide what the kids should do And mm. it's not always the actual thing that the kid wants to do mm.
1: I, and i'm so glad that you took us through that so thank you and i wanted to dive into the honest because like i said i've not heard anyone say it but i actually find that It's not always an outside influence when people decide what they want to do. It's almost Mm -hmm. like they cheat themselves. You know, I ask my clients, what is it you want to do? And they'll answer me and I'll say, you know, and when you sort of probe and deep deep dive sure. a little bit more, and they're still like, you know, I'd say, well, what it sounds like is you actually want to do this. Oh no, I couldn't do that. Oh no, that's not the right thing. Oh, but that's I true. don't want people to judge me. So sometimes it's not even the external influences. I think there's just as much internal influence mm-hmm. that there's almost a it could be shame or judgment around what we really want to do, and sometimes we're afraid of afraid of actually saying no. This. This is actually what I really want to do.
0: I think it's connected. I think that, you know, when we talk about shame, there's always that judgment of others. Like when we talk about, um, you know, I really want to do this, but guys aren't really supposed to do this, mm. or it's not expected of girls to do this, mm-hmm. right? We, there's um, Super Bowl Sunday, one of the first uh, in America, one of the first female coaches is going to be coaching. Mm, and that's, I saw that's so awesome. Great. Right? but it's not typical. Mm. So how many people are actually holding their talents back because of that? I don't disagree though. I think there is an internal reflection that has to happen mm-hmm. and that's a part of it. And that you, when you dig deep, you ask those questions and people come up with the answers. And you need that source like you, who's like coming back like, wait, wait, hold on. I'm going to reflect this back to you. I think this is what you're saying. And then them actually being again, honest mm. with your right. I just don't think. And when they start that Denial, right? When they start mm-hmm. kind of rubbing off on it, they're like, oh, but it's not expected. I can't, you know, we don't do that as Indians. It's like, hey, we, we don't go into acting. Indians don't act. And I'm like, Who do you think makes all those movies? Yeah. I'm like, that's that's not the answer. So, you know, I, I think there is an internal, but I think there's always an external one as well, competing against each other and fighting. Totally,
1: totally agree.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now you're an inspirational speaker. When along your journey, did you, well, A decide I could try this. This is a thing.
0: Like, did you just fall into it or did you choose it? I've always been comfortable on stages as a kid, as a teenager, as college, adult, young adult, even adult now, I guess I've been comfortable with people. People said I've been good with kids and, you know, church events. I'm emceed. I've talked, you know, it's never been a thing where I'm just not comfortable in the spotlight. I didn't think about speaking though, till after the podcast. Uh, Mm -hmm. When I started Chasing Dreams podcast in 2015, Mm -hmm. um, that was one way for me to get the message out. And I didn't really understand what the message was. In 2015, I hadn't really defined or identified this stuff probably until recently. But I realized this is the message I'm giving. And so when I decided to speak, it was so that I could get more in touch, more direct. I think there's something about live events and actually being face-to-face, one-on-one or Uh one-on-many that can be more impactful. Uh So I wanted to have more of an impact and more of an influence on people than just behind the mic. That's also Uh one of the reasons I I started doing video in the Chasing Dreams podcast was so that people could see a person talking about these things and understanding it's not just a voice. I really mean it. Uh Getting that message out.
1: Yeah. Well, let's go back to the podcast then because working in corporate America, there's not much time that you've got to yourself. You know, you do your job and you get home and you're like, Oh my (laughs) God, let's just take a load off and lie on the sofa. (laughs) What inspired you to start a podcast? Because so many entrepreneurs don't even start one, even though it can help their business because of the amount of work behind a podcast, but you chose to do it while you're working
0: a day job. What, what
1: was the thought process there?
0: So it was experimentation. Mm -hmm. Initially in 2013, before Chasing Dreams, I did a podcast. My first podcast was about a TV show called Haven. Mm -hmm. It was on the Sci Fi channel. I got a co host from Twitter. It was someone I had been talking to about the show with. And I was like, hey, sent her a DM. I was like, I'm going to do this. Would you like to join me? And I had just been experimenting. There was something that was in me that wanted to get my voice out. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what. I didn't have a direction. And we did this podcast together. On this tv show and we saw the power of what we were doing we were just talking about a tv show but people were connecting with us online and the show writers and the producers Mm -hmm. and the composer we we would have these interactions and then at one point we came out to to nova scotia canada Mm -hmm. and we did an interview all day with the cast and the crew they took us around we saw a scene being shot and when we came back and we started showing this during their hiatus to kind of keep the interest going, like we connected with the, with the show to kind of do this. I saw the people were still excited. People were still listening to it. People are still listening actually today. I think we get like a hundred listens a month, which is crazy because wow. the show's been off for three years. People are still listening to it. And it was in that moment that I realized the power of podcasting uh-huh. united people across the world and still does today. And I had in the meantime, my first failed reinvented podcast, which was kind of my second podcast. Like, what if I took these conversations I was having with friends? Because Uh my first podcast was just Amy J live. And I was just talking to friends randomly about what they were doing. I was like, what if I took this seriously? And what if I actually asked people what they're doing? And the impetus was, I had a niece who was very good at poetry and decided she wasn't going to do it. She wasn't going to pursue it because other people had convinced her that, that what there was no future in that. Uh-huh. so she just stopped altogether and it really bummed me out. And I wanted to show her there are people living their lives, doing something that they're passionate about and happy about and fine. They're, they're living a good life. And so that was the catalyst for it. Uh-huh. And so the thing that cemented it was I did a GoFundMe and I was like, you know, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it more than just with a USB mic and I'm going to take it seriously and we've raised over $3,000 wow. me from people, but it wasn't the money that blew me away. It was people in my community, my family that were like, this is awesome. You should do it. We need this. Can't wait. God bless you. You know, all these things. And I was like, all right, let's do it. But I didn't do anything like high end. I, I mean, the equipment is high end. I mean, you kind of can see it in the back corner it was the equipment I, we had bought, but you got to start somewhere. Mm. And so for me, it was progress over perfection. Mm -hmm. That was what was important because yes, I had a job. Yes, I was juggling all of this, but at least I showed up. Mm -hmm. At least I was doing it and I was going to help at least one person, whoever it was, maybe even just a family member who was listening. And that was important to me. And it was only after I got to, I think, episode 50 that I started outsourcing editing, getting slowly help to improve and grow. But you had to start somewhere. I had to have a bottom line. I really, I don't want a perfect bottom line. Right? Everyone's so focused on getting perfection and getting things right that I'm like, where do you go from there? Mm-hmm. Right. But if I start from the beginning, then I see my growth. I see where I'm going. But if I start at that 100 percent or 99, I'm like, well, I hit the ceiling there. Where, where do I go from here? So you got to just start. You can't wait because you're, you're losing that time with people.
1: Yeah. And I love that you said progress over perfection. I actually have a post that I put up with, for my members every single week that actually has that because the only way you learn is by taking action. And exactly what you said, you know, by start by just taking that first step. And even though you didn't have someone editing your podcast until episode 50, I'm a big believer that you would have learned more doing that editing process yourself yes. about yourself, your voice, your interviewing skills, yep. everything else that has to happen, um, even to put processes and procedures together than if you had have handed it to someone else in the first place.
0: You're absolutely right. I I'm a big believer that you should know every aspect of your business mm-hmm. and then you hand it off to someone because how do you know what they're doing? Or if they're sick, how do you step in to keep it going mm-hmm. if you haven't done it? Mm-hmm. So when I first started the podcast, the only thing I didn't do myself the second podcast, the Chasing Dreams podcast was show notes. And I justified it with the fact that I did all the show notes for the first podcast myself. Yeah. And I knew what that was. I knew how to do it. So yes. after that, I was like, all right, so I know that aspect. I need to do you the one who does all of this. Mm. And so I, I think you're absolutely right. You have to be able to do the work because what happens when you're in a bind? Yeah. You got to be able to step in for your own business. No one's got to mm-hmm. want it more than you. Yeah. And
1: if you don't do it yourself, you don't know how to st- set your, um, your standard operating procedures or your, oh. you know, frameworks or whatever it is. I'm a big believer. I I'm a huge believer in outsourcing, but yeah. very much about do it yourself first, make sure you know what you're doing get it to a point that you're happy with it so that it feels congruent with you. And then you hand it off.
0: Oh, absolutely. Because what you do when you do that, Sam, and I I love that you emphasize that is because you can't write systems and processes unless you know what the system and process is. Mm -hmm. Because if you outsource that, then how do you know it's right? How do you know that's what you need for your brand, your business? Mm. And so, you know, Chasing Dreams has come a long way from the beginning where now I have my VA who I outsourced from the beginning, she's been with me probably now three years mm-hmm. and she's done little stuff, admin, some, some editing, some guest information stuff here and there, right? Mm-hmm. But she's been with me so long that she's now a producer of the podcast. Yeah. She oversees all of it. And that's only because she's grown with me, but I've been also been able to document the process and the procedure from beginning to end so that she's comfortable with it. And because I do that, we were able to work out some kinks that she found Mm. from doing it. Right. Cause I'm doing it one way. I'm not seeing things that might be like, Hey, this, is, this could be more efficient if we use Zapier mm-hmm. and have that copy, you know? So there are kinks, but you work it out when you bring someone in and you outsource it and you're growing. That mm. And that's a beautiful segue
1: into the importance of being surrounded by the right people. Um, what I love about you is your And I I probably, it's because I'm similar, which is why I really, (laughs) really love it. But you value people. You understand the value of building tribes, building networks. So you built the podcast and you were building this tribe, but you didn't know at the time why you were building it, right? What over time has stood out to you? How can you see, like what made you stick to it in a way that you started to build this tribe and understood that this was a really beneficial
0: thing? It was episode 150. Mm-hmm. One of my listeners actually wrote, I think Jared or someone had put it in podcast movement Facebook group that it was my 150th episode. And, you know, I, naturally people are congratulating and kind. There was this one comment from someone I didn't know. And she wrote that my episode, I can't remember, I the 94, episode really resonated with her. And people leave reviews and stuff. But this this comment that she made was that it resonated with her. It made her cry and it made her reevaluate what she was doing. And 150 episodes before I got that one that really just hit. And my friend Stephen Hart of the Trailblazers podcast said, this is your fuel. This is your fuel from here on. Because I've had moments where I've, I've wanted to quit. I've had moments where I haven't i have I just wanted to stop. And when I saw that, I realized, you know, it does, it's not about the numbers. It's the impact you're having without realizing it. And episode 200 was last summer. And I decided in order to save my, m- my money and just because I wanted to have other focuses and kind of make two, 2020 a big year, mm-hmm. um, I scaled back on my podcast from weekly to biweekly. Mm-hmm. Can I tell you that our numbers have grown? Really? It makes no sense to me. But yes, we have actually grown our numbers, like for downloads, When I scaled back, I don't know how or why I'm doing the same amount of minimum marketing as I was doing before, because I don't have a social media person, Mm -hmm. but our number has grown and I don't know what that is, except that I just keep doing what I'm doing and people will come when it's right and when they need Mm. it. And so Mm. I don't want to not be there when they need it. Mm. I love that.
1: I think that simplicity creates flow. And until we simplify, and that doesn't mean that going bi-weekly is going to work for everyone. And mm-hmm. I think that, yeah. that you know, um, someone that's got fully automated systems and procedures, and that has five shows a week, like could work, have exactly the same effect. Mm-hmm. I think what I'm taking out of this is that it worked for you. It felt like it was in flow for you. And what that in turn did was enable you to be able to do whatever else it is that you wanted to do and I think that that's a really important thing for all of us to do in business is to you know be congruent like take actions that feel good for us at the same time and this is where the balance is at the same time as we're being consistent which is the other thing you said so it's it can be a balance sometimes getting that consistency and absolutely 100% putting all in but still making sure that it fits with you and I think that's super super awesome.
0: You know, the thing also Sam was that I think sometimes we hold on to things longer than we need to. Mm. And for me, I didn't want to just keep putting episodes out for the sake of putting an episode out. Mm-hmm. I wanted to scale back so I could bring quality people. Cause I, what I noticed was I was starting to get people who were just pitching businesses mm-hmm. and I had made the conscious decision at episode like 150 ish mm-hmm. that I wasn't going to take people who were pitching business anymore. I didn't want entrepreneurs because I didn't want the message to be, to be happy, to chase your dreams. You have to have a business mm-hmm. that was against what I was doing. Mm. That was against what I wanted to say. And so yeah. when I scaled back and realized and kind of sort solidif- I took a harder stand with what I wanted to do and I scaled back so I could be more quality and it allowed me to put my focus in a different venture, same brand same topic same message I I saw growth I think people were like hey this she's look at what she's doing here what else is she doing let's check out the podcast Mm. like I think because the message is now spread through more than just one avenue for me it helped spread the word which Mm. is why I have more people listening in Mm
1: -hmm. yeah I think we have
0: to be mindful of that because sometimes Mm. we hold on to something so strong just for the sake of doing it that we're doing it a disservice
1: yes because I think it's because some people don't like to think I failed at that without understanding that in actual fact, unless we do something multiple times and it's wrong, that that's a failure. Everything is a learning. There, there is never, a, I don't think that there's ever a, or very rarely in life a black and white. There's always a really large gray area, depending on how you feel on the day, depending on who's yeah. in your life at that time, depending on gosh, a myriad of things. So, you know. Whilst it might feel like it, you know letting go is a failure, a lot of times it's a win. I had a, a client a of weeks ago that had been holding exactly what you were just saying. She was holding on to a client for too long. Mm. Um, and he said, "Well, I'm afraid to." I said, "What are you afraid of?" And when we started to unpack it, you know the, all, all these things came up, but anyway, he let that client go, and it mm. just opened
0: up flow for exactly what he was wanting. Exactly. We hold on to something so long that we don't realize we're blocking the next blessing Mm. to come. Mm.
1: Let's talk, let's go back to people because you've, you had the podcast, started speaking on stages. Did you have a plan right from the beginning of how you wanted this to, to play out and potentially turn into some sort of business? Or was it just, let's do this one thing and see what happens.
0: It was the latter. And we talked about this a little bit off the record. For so many years, I've been just kind of trying and failing and, and trying and failing and trying and failing. and I was doing it on my own for the longest time. And so it was only recently that I decided to invest in my dream, in my, in my efforts myself to get a coach to help me kind of define my brand and what I wanted to do in the next steps, and to get that clarity, I needed that I saw I began to see a turnaround with things. And so it wasn't necessarily that I was against having guidance or, or trying it, I just didn't know better mm. at the time, right? And so I thought I had to make and break by myself. And it was only when I was like, you know what, let me, somebody had mentioned, why don't you get a coach that I was like, maybe. And I, I found someone that that works and, and it's allowing me to kind of see things from a step back and actually mm. see the potential for things, right? How chasing dreams is doing great things, how my social media can do some great things but also how I just recently started a podcast and that's helping me do some things that make me feel like I am a new podcaster again. Yeah. Right? And, it's, and it's doing things because I'm the way I am. That's allowing me to kind of help others and show them they can do it regardless of the mistakes that have happened. So it it's tried and true, but uh, I, I think having some guidance and help has really made the difference for me recently. Cause I've been doing this since 2013. Mm. Officially. Yeah, officially till, since 2013, it was only probably in the last year and a half that I saw the tur- tide turning. But that's mm. also why you can't quit, right? I mean, oh, so many 100%. times to quit, but that's why you can't quit because you don't know if the next step. If I stop now, who's to say the next step wasn't going to be the change maker? Mm. And that's the that's the part where people are like, "Why didn't you just stop?" I'm like, "But what if?" I mean, yeah, what if? But what if the next step? What if 2020 is my year? Mm-hmm. Right. What if the, the message and steps I take, because I think I've been playing it safe for the past few years. I can't even say that I've really truly tried to grow the business. I think because one, I'm scared. I don't know what I was doing, but now kind of having a coach and someone to help has made me a little bit more um, adventurous, if you will.
1: Okay. I'm going to ask you a personal question. Now that you've got the coach and you've yep. got some guidance, do you mm-hmm. still feel scared stepping forward?
0: No, I think that's why I'm feeling a little bit more adventurous with 2020 in that adventure one, I started a daily podcast. I mean, I'm a sucker. I I just started it and it's been great for me. I'm planning on doing some things down the road. I'm planning to help my mom chase one of her own dreams she didn't realize. And, you know, so I think I've become braver, mm. right? I already You have it inside, but you don't realize it until you're just like, all right, let's just do it. Mm. And I think that's mm. my... You've had an episode about this. I've been doing life mottos probably since 2014. Mm -hmm. And each year is something different. I announce it to my family and friends and say, hey, this is your this year's motto. 2020's motto is I am enough. And it's a reminder to me that I don't need anything else. Me doing it, trying to be the best version of myself is what this world needs. And so just show it. Just go ahead and do it. And that's kind of been my motto to keep me going in trying these new things.
1: Before we even dive into that, I'm going to say I take my hat off to you because I still feel afraid every time I take a step. It doesn't mean I don't <laughs> take it. It doesn't mean that when I take the step, I don't feel like, ah, oh, is this all? But I was mm-hmm. still worried about it taking the step. So I oh, think yeah. that's super cool. Okay. <laughs> um, but I am enough. How have you seen that changing the way that you do things already by having that theme and embodying that theme? How is that already changing your 2020?
0: So one of the, I guess, concrete examples is I had a mailing list before, but I, I didn't know what to do with it. We were sending monthly newsletters to people and I just never took the step for landing pages or, and, and I haven't gotten to that yet, but like landing pages or, you know, really trying to develop a customer relationship. I just kind of stuck with emails a month. Mm-hmm. But this year, I I invested in Infusionsoft. I've invested in a CRM to help me actually move those relationships from just in my list to how can I help you and let's work together to make it something, mm-hmm. right? So. That's that's part of one of those. I never would have done that in 2019. Are you kidding me? Oh, ha, I, even, I, even though you were there when I
1: said everyone, you need to start
0: an email list last week. <laughs> well, no. So I had a I had a list. I was doing, but it was just me sending a monthly newsletter. Mm. That's all it was. Like I wasn't really nurturing I wasn't really trying. I was trying to keep them on the list. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't trying to do anything outside of that. I was playing it mm. safe. Yeah. Right. I, I. You know. I had heard the have a list, have a list thing for years. And I got a list. I just wanted to make sure they stayed on the list, but I wasn't trying to grow the list. I wasn't mm-hmm. trying to nurture the list. This year, I'm like, no, what is the point of having this list if you don't try to use them? If you don't yeah. not use them, let me, let me change. If you don't try to build the relationship with them and actually help them, this is yeah. who you're trying to serve, serve them. And mm-hmm. so that's one of the big leaps I took this year was, all right, we're gonna do this. We're gonna actually serve them and mm. figure out how can we make the best. And, you know, I think there's a reason though that I went through the struggles and the tries and the fails before. Of course. Because now I have practical experience. One of a family member recently came to me to start a business and we sat down and I don't think I could have done this before if I hadn't tried and failed before. But we put together a list of things for him to do, a checklist. And it's like, you're really good at this. I was like, I mean, I know. I mean, I-, I <laughs> just, I never realized I had it in me Mm. until I was asked, until I put it out there and say, Hey, I can help. And I never realized about myself because we go through these emotions and we tell ourselves one thing, but it goes back to that honest, authentic, but until we face ourselves and our experiences and ask ourselves, Hey, what is it? Can I do that? We actually have that answer. Mm. Like, if you told me this before, I never would have believed you. And I think on top of that, we're learning all these
1: little things along the way, right? You've been doing this since 2013 and you learn all these little things along the way and maybe you learn one or two maybe three things each week and they're little and they're little and they're little and then all of a sudden you know it's like the 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 boulder or the rock that that you know gets moss as it as it you know moves along it's the momentum it's the it's all of those experiences yeah. added together to create something big and and it's not until we have that defining moment of you know you were sitting down with that family
0: member that you realize oh my goodness i didn't know i knew that Spot on. That's spot on. And that's also why I think there's a danger to people who are overnight successes Mm -hmm. because I think you have to go through the work. You have to Mm -hmm. put in the work. And I don't think it was wasted all those years. I think I learned a lot. I didn't realize how much until recently, but, you know, it kind of gave me that epiphany of this is what it means to put in the work. So cool that you mentioned the overnight success
1: because, this is something that i 've been saying for such a long time is that the people that that we look up to oh my gosh, they were the overnight success which p s there yeah. 's no such thing, and we all know that, but the people that have got there faster they don 't have the depth of knowledge. Mm-hmm. When someone comes to me and says, hey, Sam, this thing didn't work, I'm not ashamed to say, all right, well, I've failed at this 20 times because I've done it 20 different ways. So let's just try number two. Let's just try this third thing. Let's just try this fourth thing. I have failed so many times along the way that I've got such a depth of knowledge and understand that there's never one way to do anything, that there is multiple, hundreds of ways to do absolutely everything in business, and it's just about finding the right way
0: for you there actually is no one size fits all. I love that you said that because I was recently talking to someone and, you know, and I I did a, an episode on my other podcast about how we have to be mindful of following people blindly Mm -hmm. and just doing what they say, Mm -hmm. because sometimes that's not what works for us. Sometimes Mm -hmm. that's not what we need. Mm. And I think oftentimes that we we're just like, so-and-so is doing it this way. I have to do it X, Y, and Z because that's what they said. And it's like, what if X plus Y plus Z prime is what you need? Mm. But you're so focused on what they're doing and following that you don't realize it. And that's that Z prime that makes it unique to you. Mm-hmm. And we need to understand that depth. Every time we see that overnight success that doesn't exist, we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg. It's the mm. underneath. You know, how much is there? Mm. Hey, there's a new book for you find your z prime <laughs> <laughs> i love
1: it i love it oh so tell us about the the relationships that you've built along the way how you've built them these tribes because when we got your bio through and i had a look i'm just like she has got every social media account man that is going i'm like how do you do that, girl? <laughs> I understand relationships that these people have all got emotions and desires and all of these things that's happening. How have you, how have you built these relationships and how has it built, I guess, the foundations of what chasing dreams is? And,
0: and I guess your speaking career. So I think the the important part is about networking in your circle. Mm -hmm. And so I say this because even with listeners, even with the audience, even with networks, social media, I put it in this context and I talked about this recently uh, again on that. My podcast is your personal hype man. It's the daily one. Uh And I talk about how the importance of your network and circle. I identify people in relationships in five different ways. Uh One, you have strangers. Strangers are people you don't know. You don't know their name that you don't know anything about them. You're literally strangers. You're the people that parents say, Hey, don't talk to strangers. (laughs) Then there are acquaintances. Strangers can become acquaintances once you learn their names, once you know just a little bit about them. Probably what's on social media, whatever the world that whatever they've decided to share with the world, that's what you know. And then they're just acquaintances. They're no longer strangers, but they still don't know you. Mm-hmm. The people that know you are friends. Mm-hmm. So acquaintances can become friends, but only if you nurture that relationship. Only if you genuinely take the time to get to know them. And you're not trying to take advantage of them. You're not trying to say, hey, take, take, take. It's more of a, let me give, let me give, let me give. Let's talk. Let me, let, let me genuinely learn more about you. Those are friends. And then the fourth one is close friends. The people who now know you, who understand you, and actually you've gotten real tight. You would call them. You might have their phone number. You might message them, DM them. You're supporting them. Those are the people that will uplift you Those are the people that will carry you through the good times and hug you in the difficult times. Mm. But they'll also give you the opportunities to grow with them. Those are the people you want to kind of nurture. And then there's their family. I don't define family as just blood. Mm. Family is how you define it. Family are the people that you would ride or die for. They're the people that you would go to bat for. Those are the people that would drop everything to be there for you, right? So when you have these five different relationship types, I think sometimes social media makes you think that you have a relationship that's a close friend when reality is they're just acquaintances or friends, depending Mm. on how you interact with them. Mm. And I think the thing that works for me and the reason people call me a connector is I genuinely try to nurture my relationships. I genuinely try to get to know folks, people who reach out and ask them, how are you, what's going on? Rather than just take, take, take. I guess that might be why I've been slow in growing the business is because I've tried to get to know people, people mm-hmm. I've met online. I meet in person at a conference. I'm like, Hey, let's have lunch. Let's talk. Some of my closest friends are people I knew only on social media. In fact, my one friend, Stephen Hart, I mentioned earlier, I met him at a podcast conference because someone DM'd or sent a tweet and said, Hey, if you're a podcast movement, meet Stephen Hart. It's his first one. And I literally walked up to him and was like, you're Stephen Hart. He was like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I'm like, Donald Kelly said to say hi to you. And, you know, he's from Maryland. we talked a little bit, right? He went from a stranger to an acquaintance to a very close friend. Now
1: Mm. we WhatsApp,
0: we DM, I go to his house at Christmas time around the holidays. Right. And so he's always looking out for me. He's showing me opportunities that will help me. And I'm letting him know and reviewing copy for him and helping him. Right. It's that relationship that you nurture and grow, right? That will put you in rooms that you never thought you would be in before. Mm. And it's those people that you nurture, right? It has to be a give and take, right? If you think you're friends and they see you only as an acquaintance, then that's not gonna work. That's not gonna work. And you can't make them see you a different way. Mm. It doesn't work that way either. Mm. You have to, and so you gotta reevaluate should I be putting all my time into this? Mm. And sometimes we hold on to people we shouldn't hold on to. Mm. And we give them statuses we shouldn't give them. And so that's why people go through friend splur- um, cleansings you know, on Facebook and LinkedIn. Like, hey, if you haven't talked to me in a while, that's it. I'm out. And sometimes I think people think that you have to talk to them every day in order to be friends. I send out a personal New Year's letter every year for the past 13 years, I think it is. And I only send it to my close friends and my family, not people who are just friends on Facebook or acquaintances. I specifically send it to only these people. That being said, that's how I keep in touch. They write back. Sometimes that's all the, all, all the contact we have for years, mm-hmm. but it's still enough that we're trying to connect. We're trying to hold on to that relationship because it's important. So for the people who don't, I will go through my list and say, Oh, I haven't talked to them in two years. They know all this about me. I'm going to take them off the list. Mm. And they've come now an acquaintance, right? So you have to be honest with yourself about who you're allowing and opening yourself up to and be, I mean, that's how it kind of grows. It's its one of those things where you just know people and then you have to be trying to help other people. Mm. So acquaintances become friends, friends become acquaintances. It's the way life is. But it's that mentality that has helped me kind of establish my network And help me find opportunities I wouldn't have thought of before, and why people think of me otherwise. Because I'm always trying to connect people.
1: Mm, I think I'm a connector too, and I understand. I I put relationships before absolutely anything because I know that, you know, I was very lucky that I learned that very early in, in my business career. The people that were around me helped me understand that. But I just want to repeat back what you were just saying, just so that people really understand that. We have to nurture our relationships mm-hmm. to make sure that, that it's a, a two-way street that, that's, a, you know, a give and take. But we also have to nurture ourselves and sometimes that does mean pruning those relationships because it's, it has to be a two-way street. You know, we think about this being a two-way street and sometimes things aren't and they are a one-way street so we have to stop nurturing that person and start nurturing ourselves.
0: And one of the signs for that, guys, is when you're giving, 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 and there is no reciprocation, right? They're either taking from you all the time or you're getting silence Mm. and you have to. That's not don't be in denial about it. That's that's one of those things where you have to ask yourself, is this a relationship that I should be maintaining? And Mm. I got to say, and some of you might might cringe at this. That goes with family, too. Mm. Anyone who's blood, sometimes if it's a toxic relationship, don't be afraid to let go. Mm. Tough to say, but for your mental health, which I'm a big proponent of, uh, it's important. Mm. Amy J, for people that want to
1: hear from you every week, no, every month, (laughs) every (laughs) month (laughs) on your beautiful writings um, and also listening to your podcast. Yeah,
0: absolutely. You guys can reach me at amyj21.com. So my name is spelled A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1.com. And I'm a big proponent. You'll, you'll see the Chasing Dreams podcast, but I'm also a big fan of this new podcast I just started, which is yourpersonalhypeman.com. Um, I just have fun with that one. It's, only, it's less than 10 minutes, but it's, it's a daily podcast.
1: I love it. Amy J in my head every day. Who doesn't want that? <laughs> <laughs> Amy, thank you so much for coming on the show. I've had such a great time talking with you and I can't wait to see you again when I'm over in the States this year. And hopefully we'll see you in Australia this year too.
0: Hopefully, and I had a blast, Sam. Thank you. This was everything I wanted it to be.
1: Love you. Ciao, ciao.